welcome to the Curiosity Key Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Wyman, and I'm a B2B business development strategist, LinkedIn trainer, and curious thinking advocate. So what is curious thinking? Well, I believe that when you approach your business and your career by being more curious about what's going on around you, you'll enjoy what you're doing more, engage more with others around you, learn more, and be able to do more. Now, it's not just about asking more questions either. It's all about asking the right questions that will unlock all of the potential opportunities around you. And this podcast aims to help you learn from other curious thinkers out there about how you could grow your business or get your idea off the ground, pioneer change and more. This week's guest is Michael Groves, a man on a mission and a man with a very interesting background. Now, Michael shares two of my real big passions in this world, and that is mapping and sustainability. And he set up his business, which is Topolytics, uh, just over five years ago. So has lots of advice to share, um, lots of great tips around um, bootstrapping a business, using collaborative partnerships to make things happen, using PR as a tool to get your voice out there, because uh, Topolytics have won quite a few incredible accolades especially in the last few years that have really helped them position themselves and and get their message out there a bit more. So he's going to share his experience and tips on how to uh, grow a business and also how to um, have a very customer driven approach. Um, So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do and enjoy. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Curiosity Key podcast where I'm joined by Michael Groves of Topolytics. So thank you, Michael, for joining me on this podcast. Good morning. How are you doing? Um, I'm, I'm delighted to be here <laughs> in a virtual sense. Brilliant. Yes, we are calling in remotely. So you're based in Edinburgh, that's right, isn't it? I am, yes. The beautiful city, the Athens of the North. Oh, I'm I, just, it's my, my dream to move up to Edinburgh. <laughs> What's that? It's my dream to move up to Edinburgh one day. Ah, well, yeah, well, absolutely. It's a great place to, to live. Lots of culture, lots of tech. And then you've got a third of the UK landmass on your doorstep with lots of wonderful hills to walk on. Yes, I think my appeal is the mountains and the whiskey, I think, definitely. <laughs> um, the mountains for me, whiskey, I don't know, but some Nuts. great beer as well. Well, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Brew for details. Uh, yes, absolutely. Now, the reason why I wanted to get you onto this podcast is you kind of kind of blend two worlds of mine that I have a huge amount of interest in. Uh, one is mapping and the, you know everything geospatial, and the other is sustainability. Um, so instead of me talking about topolytics and what it is that you're doing, do you want to just give us a little bit of um, your background and tell us a little bit about topolytics as well? Uh, okay, uh, my background. I'm uh, well academically. I'm a geographer. Um, so I guess that kind of gives you a clue as to as to the sort of the mapping thing. Um, and then I, I did a PhD in uh, remote sensing, so uh, aerial photography and satellite remote sensing, looking at um, forest decline in, in Germany back in the day. Um, and then I finished that and somebody said to me, what, you know, what sort of job do you want to do, Mike? And I, I thought about it for a moment and said, well, I'd quite like to go and work in environmental management. And then they thought about it for a moment and sort of leaned over towards me and said, um, Sonny, I think you should get yourself a proper job. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that was you know, over 20 years ago now, I suppose. So things have perhaps moved on a little uh, since then. Um, and of course, I ignored their advice and um, basically went into environmental management. Um, so did some consultancy work. And then I ended up um, 
helping to write the principles and criteria of the Forest Stewardship Council, uh, which is a kind of one of the first kind of sustainable forestry um, certification schemes, the FSC. Uh, and then, I, so I worked for a, a Swiss company um, and ran around Southeast Asia for about three or four years doing um, certification of um, sustainable forest or unsustainable forest management in, in most cases. Um, and um, yeah, and then came back to the UK, set up a consultancy business that basically did sustainability reporting um, for, for, for big companies in the main. Um, and then also set up a baby product company as well along the way with my wife, um, which is a market leader, sells all over the world. Um, uh, and then we sold the, the consultancy business. And, and you know, that, that's really the beginning of Topolytics. And um, the idea being that, you know, when you look at um, environmental reporting, um, you know, there's a real sort of challenge around um, the quality of that information and the timeliness of that information. So I thought it's an opportunity to mix data with the reporting piece. And we've sort of evolved from there, but the way we've sort of chosen to sort of contextualize and, and manage the data and then uh, visualize and analyze the data is geospatially because I'm a geographer. Um, and so that's kind of how we've evolved into what we're doing now, which is basically um, we're creating a what I call a smart grid for the world's commercial and industrial waste. So, um, you know, waste, as we're now seeing, uh, is being moved around the place and nobody really knows what's happening to it. So it's a big industry. It's worth about $400 billion a year. Um, but it's not very transparent. Uh, and obviously, we're now starting to recognize that some of that material is ending up where it shouldn't. Um, and both geographically, but also a lot of that material is still going into landfills. So the outcomes are not brilliant. So we think there's an opportunity to, to build a global, granular, high-quality data set on what that material is, where that material goes, and how much of that material is there, in order that you know, people can then make better decisions about the, you know, that material. So we don't have this scenario where you know, you know, most of the world's waste is still going into you know, kind of landfills or ending up where, where it really shouldn't be uh, um, uh, anyway. So... So that's our, our thing. Um, so Topolytics is, in, in essence, as a business, is a sort of data analytics business. And we've created a, a sort of big data platform we call Waste Map. <laughs> um, and so we are literally mapping the movement of all this material. And what, how do your customers use this data then? What's the, um, what's the outcome for your customers? Like, why do, why do your customers want it? Um, well, I mean, if you're thinking about so if you think about waste producers, like big companies that generate waste, I mean, you know, they are now starting to ask the question of what happens to all of our waste? Because the model is they basically pay somebody to take it away. And so, um, you know, so that, you know, the contract removed that material um, and the waste producer, their customer, has then really no idea of what happens to that material. They might ask the question occasionally, but actually... They don't know the end point because the, 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 that waste could go on quite a journey. You know, it could go through multiple hands. So, so it's quite a complex value chain. So that's kind of that's what. So we're using data science, sort of machine learning, et cetera, et cetera, to, to really try and kind of unpick um, that 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 value chain and really build up a better picture of what's happening to that material. So number one, the, so it's the idea of a, what you might call producer responsibility. So you know, increasingly companies, organizations, and I think ultimately us as consumers will have to take more responsibility for the waste that we're generating. And I think probably we'll end up having to 
pay more to have that waste um, kind of, you know, sort of managed. Uh, and we will pay per throw as well. But we're focused on companies' waste because, you know, there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of that material that has a high value, and that could be reused by those companies as well. So, so we're sh- so it's the idea of producer responsibility. It's the idea of reducing the risks attached to not knowing what happens to that material. The idea of being able to then report effectively on 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 on, on waste because there are still real problems with um, the data that comes back to those companies in terms of what that material is and how much of that material is is you know they are generating as a waste. Uh, um, and so, and then there's the opportunity to actually start to look at that material in terms of re- its reuse and its value, uh, and that gets us into the whole world of the circular economy as well. So, so that would be a sort of um, certainly from the waste producers' point of view. It's nice to see that I think more and more people are, are talking about the circular economy, and more and more consumers and smaller businesses are becoming a lot more aware about where their waste is going, uh, what happens to it, uh, how they can reduce it a little bit more. Are, are you starting to see that like now at the moment, with especially all the media hype around sustainability, especially with you know sort of reducing plastic, or has that just been a continual growth from from your perspective? Um, no, I think there's no doubt waste is suddenly a thing. <laughs> you know, it's uh, there is a bit of a kind of zeitgeist thing. And that, you know, God bless David Attenborough, you know, I mean, the world's greatest um, environmental communicator bar none. And, you know, that that has obviously created a lot of um, attention around, um, particularly around, you know, where that waste is ending up. So you've got the whole piece now happening around ocean plastics. And, um, and you know, we've just won a... Um, sort of global um, competition that was run by Google Cloud and SAP. And, you know, they were, they basically put out this challenge to um, entrepreneurs um, to say, you know, we're looking for a commercial scalable technology that could drive the circular economy. So um, 250 companies submitted um, uh, applications to about 50 countries, and, and we won that um, amazingly. Um, but we're absolutely delighted by that. But that's, you know, obviously given us some interesting you know, access to some amazing technology and um, kind of market access. But one of the things that we went out on um, a boat into the middle of the Atlantic, courtesy of SAP, uh, about a month ago, and looking specifically looking at ocean plastics. So it's called the Ocean Plastics Leadership Summit. And, you know, basically it was a kind of experience for corporates, um, NGOs, academics, um, entrepreneurs, and various other people looking at the problem. And so we went out, you know, we sort of went, you know, snorkeling and we went trawling in the middle of the Atlantic for kind of, you know, this ocean plastics. And, you know, we did one trawl, which is one kilometer trawl, you know, in about two and a half thousand meters of water. And we we pulled this, you know, the seaweed out of this sort of trawl, analyzed it in the lab, and there were about 76 bits of sort of micro plastic in, the, in that. And that was like one kilometer at the surface when you've got two and a half kilometers, you know, underneath you. And that's one bit of the Atlantic. And mm. to me, that sort of brought home the problem is that, you know, it's we all get worried about the stuff we can see, but it's the stuff you can't see, which is, you know, which is the real problem. So I think, you know, there's obviously a, a sort of a growing consciousness about the problem of, of waste. And obviously plastic is is getting a real, um, some real kind of um, uh, attention at the moment, um, specifically around that. Um, so it's definitely a thing uh, that's suddenly you know, really within the last sort of 18 months or so, two years to 18 months has kind of become um, 
you know, a lot, a lot more interest being shown. And I think certainly the question that's being asked now is, you know, we're seeing people asking the question, you know, what does happen to all that material? Um, so that's something that we're, you know, that, you know, clearly that, that sort of plays into what we're, we're trying to do. So, so is yeah, that so, helping your business grow because more and more people are asking those questions? Yeah, exactly. So that our market environment is, 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 is a, you know, from our point of view, is is that that's a kind of a, a growth driver because there is clearly a demand. You know, um, you know, people have said to me in the past and they've said, you know, so, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? <laughs> it's like, I said, what do you mean? It's like waste management. You know, um, but you know, it's it's you know, at the end of the day, it's it's a big global problem. Um, you know, we keep pumping stuff out pumping waste out, you know, the, the quantum keeps going up and, you know, we need to deal with it somehow. So we either reduce it in the first place or we deal more effectively with that material that we are generating as a waste. So our view is that ultimately we want to try and reduce it. But when you've got the quantum continuing to grow, you've got to deal with all that stuff that's being generated. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, but by doing that, we also show people what, so we're showing people what happens to that material and that in itself generates, you know, all sorts of kind of different sort of behavior changes and 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 process changes, and, and you know, you know, the whole question of reduction then becomes, you know, re- comes up higher up the agenda once people realize what's happening to all that material. So yeah, so it's it's a driver for us, definitely. And how do, how did you find? Because um, you you've been in business with Topolytics specifically for uh, just over five years now, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how did you find? Um, how did you find the process and and actually launching the business and getting uh, new customers when you first launched it? Because the this this big buzz around um, reduce, reuse, recycle wasn't as talked about back then. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Well, it's not my first startup. Let's put it that way. So, I knew what I was letting myself in for, um, and I think you know, my view on you know on sort of startups and entrepreneurship is that. You know, it always takes longer. It always takes longer. Uh, you know, and everybody is a 10-year overnight success. You know, when you look at, you know, some of the really successful companies, you know, they, people see the success and they see people raising lots of money or they see them exiting or whatever. But, you know, there's been 10 years of graft and, you know, wading through crap <laughs> <laughs> to get to that point. So people don't see that. Um, but I kind of, you know, having had some experience in starting businesses, I kind of, to a certain extent, knew what to expect. Um, and like a lot of, you know, startups, you know, we started out thinking we were one thing and we've sort of, to a certain extent, pivoted, I, you know, you could argue along the way. So we've kind of explored things along the way to get to the point that we're at now, which is, and the reason it's taken five years is that partly because the market really wasn't ready. You know, whereas the market is 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 market acceptance is you know the whole waste thing has suddenly become to say it has become a thing, um, but also you know we're bootstrapped as well, so you know we have to kind of we build as we go. You know we've sort of built and through proof of concept projects, and we've so it's been really really hard. Um, but you know we we have this confidence that you know there is a big opportunity out there, and we're now starting to kind of I think kind of realise that, but it's taken a while, yeah. So if you could look back over the last five years, 
are there, are there any kind of like key moments or key things that you would do differently at knowing what you know now? Um, well, I, you know, you'd always want to, th- to, to move quicker, you know, so, um, but how, you know, the, the process of moving quicker, you know, there's no kind of easy answers on that. So that's certainly one thing I, you know, I'd love to be sitting here now thinking it's only taken us three years. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been brilliant, you know, but five years of my life, you know, but, um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one. That I mean, I think you know, would you do anything differently? Probably, but I, you know, I, I'm kind of not quite sure what that would be. Um, um, so, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't really answer that. You know, other than to say that again, come back, come, come back to the point about entrepreneurship, and you know, the thing that often doesn't get discussed and doesn't get aired is is you know, you know, quality, you know particularly in tech, you know, everyone thinks, hey, yeah, it's all about, you know, innovation and it's all about ideas and build fast and fail fast and all that kind of stuff. You know, and to a certain extent, that's fine when you've raised $10 million, you know, sort of in your pre-revenue and blah, 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 blah. But, um, you know, I think for most companies, um, it's that whole perseverance piece. You know, it's kind of starting with the kernel of an idea, but then, trying to sort of put that into, into, into practice and, you know, just sort of building something that getting to a point where you've got some kind of product market fit. Uh, and it's taken us a while to get there, but I think we're sort of at that point now. Um, so there's probably loads of stuff that, you know, there's no doubt I've made loads of mistakes and there's lo- no doubt I'll make, continue to make loads of mistakes. Um, but, you know, it's kind of how you deal with that and how you overcome that and, the, and just keeping going. You know, so there's an element of it's not so much blind faith, but there's just an element of having, you know, faith in your own, you know, vision, if you like. Um, Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more with that. And it's something that I talk about quite a lot is that, you know, sort of keep, you know, sort of maintain your confidence, surround yourself with people that help you maintain that confidence. Um, And yeah, it's that kind of written determination aspect of it. Um, Because I see so many people uh, in the same situation as me, because I'm in my second year of business. Uh, This isn't my first business either. So I've got, you know, I've learned from that wanting everything to happen right there and then. Um, But you do see people try to give up or get fed up because it's not moving as fast as as you want it to um but it's that kind of constant reminder that you know it it is a journey and um that you've just got to kind of keep doing the best that you can um but also more importantly make sure that you have something that people want (laughs) you know seems to be a big problem especially in tech that people go off and develop something and then um nobody wants it yes um and what i love about what you're doing is the fact that you know you there is a big problem that wasn't hugely talked about that you've you know sort of started to address um yeah. before it, it got into the media because i suppose if you if you were to launch top politics now now there's a big hype around it yeah. do you think things would be slightly different because there is that media hype um yeah i think i think probably yes um because i think there'd be a much clearer um you know kind of like the market acceptance you know um and and you know and all the sort of investors and advisors and all the you know all the people you know, around the whole kind of startup scene, um, would perhaps take me a little bit more seriously than they than they than they did previously. Um, you know, people just looked at me and thought I was a tree hugger. I think um, <laughs> if, 
if I mean, if I am accused of being that, I just show them a picture of me standing next to a, you know, diptera carp in the middle of Borneo and say, well, yeah, I have, you know, I've kind of been there. Uh, but we were helping to cut them down responsibly as opposed to hug them. But um, um, yeah, I, I, and I think that point about, I mean, my response also on that is that, you know, absolutely the idea that somebody goes out and builds something without really thinking about the market and the customer. We've evolved to where we are now. So we've built slowly, but we've built well. Mm-hmm. So because we've, we've built being quite close to the market and trying to understand what the market wants and what companies want and getting that kind of feedback as we've gone. So that's, whilst, you know, it would have been nice to have sort of done that quicker, you know, we've kind of, you know, we've done it by, you know, working closely with organizations, with companies, you know, and understanding the pain and understanding where, trying to understand where the commercial model is and where the commercial opportunity is. And, and so we've kind of evolved towards that, but we so we, we've really learned a lot along the way. And also along the way, we've then managed to kind of, we've built a position in our, our market. You know, in our market, there is a, some people call it smart waste, which is a contradiction in terms, possibly. Um, some people call it waste tech, and that's worth about $2 billion a year. Um, most of the revenues come from uh, bin sensor systems, um, the so-called internet of bins. Um, but there's a growing bit of that, which is all about AI, machine learning, analytics, et cetera. And that's the bit we're in. And we've built a kind of position in that market as a, as a leading player in that market. So we've managed to do that as, as we've sort of gone along as well. So, so there are some merits to sort of, you know, kind of building close to the market um, as opposed to just getting something out there and, and hoping for the best. Some something that I talk about a lot, which is yeah, I I think there are, there are more than I think that it's an undervalued thing to do. It's just kind of build slowly, but make sure that you're doing it based on market feedback, um, because I think it's we assume we know what the market wants, and I see uh, with a lot of the the tech companies that I work with and that I speak to, it's that kind of there is a big assumption that we know what the market wants because we feel strongly about the problem that we're solving or what's going on. That you know yeah. we'll develop a business or we'll develop a product or a piece of technology that solves that problem without necessarily yeah. going to the market and saying right, okay, cool. How do you talk about this problem? How do you respond to it? Um, what is what do you want? Um, and then working closely with the customers because it's the customers that are going to drive the growth of the business at the end of the day. Absolutely. There's no there's no substitute for revenues. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it kind of that what you've just said sort of led me nicely into the next question because it's all about, you know, I like to, to celebrate the successes because you've had a lot of successes over the last five years. So looking back over the last five years, kind of what what would you say you did right and what sort of things are you celebrating that you've done right and kind of want to build on and and keep doing really? Um, well, I, I think, you know, we, I say, you know, we've kind of evolved um, to where we are now. I mean, we started out, you know, I had a, I had a, a consultancy business and, and we did quite a lot of um, sustainability reports, so annual sustainability reports, you know, these sort of CSR or, you know, whatever you want to call them. CSR, by the way, is common sense, really. <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard that one before, um, I love it. <laughs> and um, so, so, so that model I felt was, you know, what, you know, with, with what was going on with big data and, and AI and industry 4.0 stuff, I thought, well, actually, could you pitch the data to the reporting? Because obviously, the, you know, there's lots of kind of 
this data in the big companies ends up in these big databases and then they drag it out of these databases and then they stick it into these big expensive um, um, printed documents. And I thought, is there a way to make that kind of real time? And also we were seeing lots of smaller companies having to kind of disclose this kind of sustainability information to their customers. So we thought, is there an opportunity to build something for um, SMEs that was a real-time environmental reporting system? And that was the original um, concept. And the, But the way we chose to organize and visualize that data was geospatially because I'm a geographer and that's the way I kind of see the world. So, so that was the initial thing, but we, 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 we built an MVP, we took it out there. It was really interesting and learned a lot. But you know, whilst there was a lot of interest at that point, I didn't feel that there was quite enough commercial pain. So there was, like, it, there was interest, but not, not real pain. So, but, so we sort of gradually evolved that. We did a whole bunch of work with real-time data. So we got some feedback. So we love the mapping, but what about IoT and sensors and that kind of data? So we did two big projects, which took actually the best part of two years to kind of create these projects and then implement them. And one was in Scotland and one was in China, and they both you know, involved real-time sensor data. But that allowed us to build capability and, and to learn how the IoT works and to, to, to build some IP into, 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 into Toplytics as well. And so we sort of evolved through that. And then, and then we started, you know, sort of looking at, you know, you know, as part of that, we were looking at a whole range of different environmental metrics, including waste. And by far and away, the most interesting thing that from a geospatial point of view was waste because it's a physical material that is moved around. And that system of movements is so complex and so opaque that that's really where, you know, we could see there was a real, a real opportunity. Uh, and at the same time, then the market started to kind of evolve as well. And people start to say, well, actually, what is happening to all that material? Um, so um, I can't, what was the original? <laughs> it, was, uh, it was around sort of celebrating the wins, so celebrating the things yeah. that you have done, so, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So, so, um, so I think, yeah, so we... So it's it's kind of been, you know, those kind of moments when you've had people say to you, what about this, what about that? And we've sort of, you know, we've we've sort of responded to that. Um, so um, so I would say that was a win in as much as, you know, we've sort of, you know, we've had that kind of feedback and we've been able to respond to that feedback and, and to build capability and build, um, you know, you know, IP and all the rest as, 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 as we go. But then we've had obviously recognition for some of the stuff we're doing. So um, we um, there's uh, an organization called the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, which is um, started by you know the, the Oxwoman Ellen MacArthur. And you know, when she she was out in the middle of the of the oceans and realized she was totally self-contained. You know, so she so she was using everything on the boat, but she's not throwing anything away. And she thought, well, actually, why can't we do that for real, you know, on a sort of global basis? You know, why are we getting all these resources, turning them into products and then chucking them away. You know, why can't we be self-contained at, at, at a sort of fundamental level? So, uh, so the idea of the circular economy, in essence. So the Alan McCarth Foundation has, has kind of been going for about 10 years and, and, and you know, and, and they've become this sort of, you know, kind of like a global kind of think tank around um, circular economy uh, sort of principles. And so they have a group of companies, they call the CE100, which are, you know, companies that they, believe are kind of leading the way and innovating on circular economy. So on the one hand, you've got some of the world's biggest companies, um, IKEA, Dell, Apple, HP, um, 
um, you know, some really big um, sort of businesses, but then they have a bunch of other companies they call innovators that are also part of that ecosystem. So we were accepted into the C100 um, kind of last year. So that obviously gave us a, you know, quite a good position and profile uh, and some credibility. Um, and then um, we are currently, as of the end of last year, working with uh, in the UK with the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, which put out a challenge to tech companies to design a system that could um, track all of the waste in the UK, kind of smart waste tracking system. So they they chose five companies, and we were one of those companies to sort of design the system. What does the system look like? So we 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 teamed up with the Ordnance Survey. Why not? When you're a you know when you're sort of mapping what happens. That's been a really amazing experience working with the OS, you know, to kind of really define what what a system would look like that could literally track all of the waste material in the UK. And that's not only commercial and industrial, but it's household, municipal, um, hazardous construction, et cetera. Um, so that's been a really, really interesting process. And that obviously was a big success for us in, in, in terms of um, doing that work. Uh, and then latterly, within the last last sort of month or so, as I said earlier on, we, we, we won this Google Cloud and SAP um, um, circular economy um, challenge. And so that's now starting to sort of play out. So it's given us access to some amazing machine learning, um, AI sort of technology, um, plus some of the capabilities and plus sort of the, the market access that, 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 that's offered there. So that, that's been, an, that's probably the most recent, you know, really real amazing milestone um, for us, I think. So there's two things that spring to mind on what you're saying, because it's, you know, you've you've got some incredible accolades uh, behind you, won some great awards and opportunities. Um, have you, have they found you or have you gone out and looked for those opportunities? Uh, well, it's a bit of both, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I think, you know, again, it, you know, coming back to the question of, you know, when you're a sort of small company and you're a, you know, you're a tech startup, and you're trying to make a mark in the world. Um, you know, you, you can't, you know, shy retiring wallflowers need not apply. You know, I mean, you, you, you know, you have to put yourself out there. So there's an element where you've got to go out there and you've got to push yourself out there and you've got to sort of try and make a, you know, rattle a few cages and, you know, fly the flag and other such epithets. Um, you know, but then when you start doing that and you start to get some recognition, then obviously people then start to come to you because they kind of see you doing stuff and they think they look interesting. I mean, it, honestly, it was just phenomenal with this Google Cloud SAP thing. They took out a full page of the Wall Street Journal. So they took out a full page advert in the Wall Street Journal saying, congratulations, Topolitics, on winning the, the Circle Economy Challenge. I thought, well, you know, I may get a full page in the Wall Street Journal at some point, some other point in my life, but, you know, but you know, just for the record, here it is. You know, so, and that you know that kind of thing clearly then generates um, an element of sort of recognition and interest. So, so it is it is it is a bit of both. So, but you have, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, you have to get out there. You know, you've got to get out there. And obviously, there are certain awards. You know, there's all sorts of there's always kind of awards things that that, that one can apply for. Um, you know, and. You know, and other competitions and, and blah 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 blah. So I think you know, I think you do have to try and punch above your weight when you're, you know, when you're sort of a small company in a trying to do your thing. And we're trying to do this globally. You know, we we have this kind of global ambition. 
um, because waste is a big global challenge. Um, so, you know, we have to get out there and try and sort of, um, you know, plant a flag in the ground and say, right, you know, this is what we're doing. So have you got any advice to um, other tech startups out there or other technical businesses out there that want to become more visible? Um, they know that they need to, but they're not quite sure what the best way to do it is, or they're not quite sure how to do it on a on a sort of bootstrap budget. Because I, I remember that you were saying that you did all of this by bootstrapping earlier on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, there's no substitute for networking. I mean, I think even in these days of digital marketing, inbound marketing, blogging, blogging, podcasting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, actually there is still, you know, huge power in 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 the network. Now, obviously, you can generate a network digitally and virtually, but that face-to-face thing, going to the, you know, the idea of the watering holes, you know, where do your customers gather, you know, and going meeting them. Um, at these places, I still think there's a huge power in that in the personal kind of network thing, which is difficult because, of course, you can't be everywhere at once. Um, but you know, so but I, you know, I, you know, so, so lots of traveling <laughs> to get to these places and to meet these people. But I, I still think there's huge power in that, even in today's digitally enabled world. Um, so that's one thing I'd say. Um, the other one is, you know. Think about the sort of the way you promote yourselves. Clearly, you can do a lot of that inbound marketing for you know, for very little money. So blogging, clearly, that kind of thing. Uh, but attached to that, you know, classic good old fashioned media relations. Um, you know, get yourself a good, you know, freelance PR person that really knows what they're doing, um, and get some good photography. You know, we so we you know we um, you know when we you know we've sort of had when we get team shots done, we all go and stand in wheelie bins. <laughs> and, you know, and it kind of works, you know, because it's like, and I've then had photographs where I was, you know, and bless Edinburgh Council, it, it made a 10-ton skip of it. It cleaned it and made it available to me to kind of stand in and climb on and have and jump out of and have photographs done. But, you know, stuff, so good photography, I think, makes a massive difference because you've got a very, very limited opportunity to get your message across. So if people see a photograph of us standing in bins, number one, they think, they either think we're mad or they think, actually, these guys have got a bit of a sense of humor and, you know, and, um, you know, and, um, but, but they think, well, they're the waste guys, aren't they? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that's, um, and, and you can do that, but not, you know, not a huge amount of, 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 money as well that's a, that's an incredible tip there and it's about thinking outside of the box because i think a lot of people shy away from i know this is from personal experience kind of shy away from having your photograph taken um because you you don't want to be the face of the business but it's if you can have more team shots that you think a little bit outside of the box when it comes to the environment in which you're being photographed in uh, and making the photograph be something that people remember and associate you with what it is that you're doing as well. Um, so yeah, you're going to have to share those photos with me because I can share yeah, no, them with everybody Well, you else. can see them on the website anyway. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, you know, do a Google search for Topolitics and you'll, you'll, you'll see them all. Um, so yeah. And, and, and obviously linked to that, I mean, clearly video now is a sort of, is becoming, you know, much more important communication medium, both, Obviously, this kind of thing, you know, um, but also, you know, video kind of explainers and all that kind of stuff. So that, you know, clearly that's a development of, from 
you know, photography, but it's it's the same idea. The visual thing is, and what we do as a business is very visual. You know, maps are visual storytelling tools, and that's basically what they do. But underneath that, you know, so you, you tell the story and you change behavior. But underneath that, there's a huge amount of power in terms of the analytics as well. So, so we're a very visual, you know, company in that way. Brilliant. And then my other question as well was you were talking about collaborations and partnerships. So working with the OS um, to solve the problem for the award. Um, yeah. I, I talk a lot about collaborate, you know, collaborate, don't compete, um, yeah. find others to work with instead of try to figure out how to solve the problem yourself. Uh, do yeah. you have any advice for other people listening that uh, are kind of thinking, oh, I know I need to solve this problem. I kind of think I know how to do it, but I'm not sure how to do it on my own or, you know, or how could they follow in your footsteps and take advantage of those collaborations? Um, well, I think, again, it comes back to, I think, just having a willingness to do that and having the, just the get up and go and just getting out there and and making those connections. And, um, you know, so we, you know, so, I, you know, when I look, think about all the organisations that have helped us, because that's what it's all about. And we've sort of collaborated with, you know, we've got, um, you know, to a certain extent, we've got our start in life through Zero Waste Scotland, which is the Scottish government's um, kind of delivery arm for delivering on its kind of recycling and circular economy targets. And, and you know, they've been really kind of helpful to us. And then, um, you know, we've had uh, Innovate UK, you know, been brilliant, actually. So, and there's loads of kind of support there and advice and, you know, and obviously they run competitions and there's, there's, you know, there's, there's, you know, sort of, um, uh, you know, kind of grants and, and and other things that are available to you. And we've also been on trade missions with, funded by Innovate UK, organised by an organisation called Clean and Cool, which takes clean tech companies to markets. So we've been to the US and been to Brazil, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, obviously the OS we're working with at the moment. And then obviously we're now collaborating with Google, Google Cloud and SAP. You know, I mean that's pretty pretty good. People to be collaborating with um and then um yeah and then the you know scottish enterprise scottish government you know we're, we're based in edinburgh so there's there's kind of low support there so a lot you know a lot of it's just going out there and 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 kind of finding um you know these organizations and and because there's loads of help out there you know i mean there's loads of help there's 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 you know there's grants and money and everything else sometimes it's difficult to access and to navigate your way through it but you know, I think there is lots of stuff out there. I think the other area we, where we've done quite a lot of collaborating is with universities. Um, and so, you know, we've worked with um, St. Andrews, with Edinburgh, with Stirling, with Cranfield, with uh, Strathclyde. Uh, with, I've just come back from Bradford. <laughs> so, you know, so we've done quite a lot of that stuff. And that, that collaboration varies from, you know, helping um, you know, master students with their, you know, with their projects to doing formal sort of collaborations as well. Um, and some of that in Scotland, we've done through the innovation centres in Scotland. So you've got one, which is census, which is all about um, sensing and imaging systems. And then the data lab is another one, which is all focused on data and, and machine learning. And we're working with data lab on this, um, on this um, DEFRA project as well. So, so I, again, I think it just comes back to, a willingness to just get out there and 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 find these organisations and 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 navigate your way through it and just explore what you know what you can kind of um, do with them. So, 
it's great advice. And there's a lot of stuff that you've said um, in this uh, interview so far, which is around mindset. You know, we've not kind of labeled it with mindset. I'm going to throw it out there anyway. <laughs> um, it is, yeah, it's about having a positive mindset and about, you know, having confidence, willingness to put yourself out there, willingness to learn, go out, do more. Um, yeah. And there's a lot that you can, uh, that you can do with the right mindset yeah. for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, staying positive is a massive thing for me. Um, you know, because it is difficult sometimes. Um, but yeah, but I, but again, I, you know, somebody asked, you know, somebody, somebody asked me on a panel the other day. Said, well, you know, you know, are things going to be better or worse in this time? And I was like, well, I have no idea, but I'd like to think they'll be better because if you know, what else, you know, what else are you going to think? So, so you know, I think your glass always have to has to be half full, um, even though it's, sometimes it's so difficult. Um, so yeah, and I, I I'm definitely a confidence player. You know, I, I you know I feed off positive, you know, off you know when I get getting positive sort of vibes and and feedback, I feed I feed off that, and then I struggle otherwise. But you've just got to keep, um, regardless of your men, you know your base mentality, um, you know you have to remain positive in these in, you know in this situation. So. So do you have any advice for uh, our listeners based around that? So how do you stay positive and optimistic despite people telling you or despite people talking about, oh, it's it's all doom and gloom and, uh, you know, you're not going to make an impact or you're not going to make a change? How do you overcome those sort of naysayers, um, if you like? Well, I think, I, I think yeah, I don't know. Oh, gosh, I'm, you know, it sounds like you're know, some kind of, kind of you know, in the, in the psychiatrist's chair. That <laughs> no, it's important because it happens all the time. You know, you've always got people that are telling you it's never going to work, yeah, especially yeah. with the, the plastic true. pollution problem. You know, you've yeah. got all these people saying, it, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't, true, climate change true. doesn't exist. Uh, yeah. You've got people saying it's not as big a problem as that we're talking about. And, you know, there, there is a lot of negativity around it. And I think that's around oh, yeah. a lot of industry. Um, oh, totally. what you're Agreed. saying is Agreed. so so important that you've got yeah. to keep positive no you're no you're right sorry so i mean i am just yeah i'm trying trying not not to be too sort of self-reflective about it <laughs> um um yes yeah, so when i was a baby i was you know, all <laughs> um i yeah i mean it is about actually just really you know grabbing onto the really positive stuff and and really really kind of that that's your, you know, that's the lodestar. And just, you know, if the negative stuff is just crap and just kind of just, you know, just pushing that aside. You know, I always think of if anybody's seen or if you've seen um, um, a film um, called Kelly's Heroes with Clint Eastwood and Telly Savalas and Donald Sutherland. And, and it was basically a bunch of uh, American soldiers who discovered that there's a, a, a horde of gold bars lying in a in a in a village in France and this is right at the end of the war and they think well you know let's go and grab the gold bars because this war's going to finish quite soon and and so they go off but but Donald Sutherland is a tank commander and um, and this is what 1944 stroke 45 and um, but he plays it as if he's a kind of 1968 hippie you know from from you know high Asbury and he has this mantra that you know, whenever his his crew are kind of moaning, he kind of says, just says, "Hey man, less of those negative waves." You know, <laughs> it's just, you know, see, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant portrayal, totally out of out of sync of with its time, but it's absolutely superb. And I always think that I always I always think of Donald Sutherland, and I think less of those negative waves, man. You know, so if anybody's sort of really 
you know, being negative. So, so I think it's just kind of latching on to the really positive stuff and um, pushing the, you know, trying to push the crap aside, really. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't think there's any, yeah, no magic, magic tricks really around that stuff. Well, my, my magic trick is it's not so much magic, but because I always come back to the old Jim Rohn quote, which is that you are the average of the top five people you spend the most time with. And, you know, exactly what you said before is like surround yourself with happy, positive people because you'll feed off yeah. their energy. And, yeah. you know, I'm exactly the same. So like the more people that you surround yourself with, that you can bounce ideas off that are optimistic, that are positive, yeah. you find yourself being more optimistic and positive. If you spend time with sort of negative people all the time, or if you spend time with people that are telling you you can't do something or it's not going to work, then you'll start believing that as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but I, I also think that you need to be challenged, though. So I, I think you do need to be open to challenge. Oh, and, for sure. And to have people who, not necessarily negative, but they're sort of, you know, maybe putting an alternative approach to you or an alternative view, which actually could well be valid because you might have got into a particular kind of mindset or you might be a little bit... Um, timid about something or you might be too gung-ho about something and so yeah it is a balance isn't it between you know positivity but also crit- crit- criticality or I don't know what the right word would be but you know a critical mentality that um, where you're open to open to different ideas and different different approaches to things as well it's not sports coaching uh methodology that um in terms of challenge because and also I did a um so I used to be a rowing coach and have done various sports coaching qualifications and definitely use that instead of management techniques. And then in my last job, we did a challenger coaching course, which was really fascinating because it, it really merged a lot of the things that I did in sports with business. And it was kind of showing the bell curve where at the very top, you've got that kind of like peak performance. So you operate at peak performance, the very top of that bell curve, but it's that kind of you need enough challenged so you can hit peak performance without then going down the bell curve and yeah. which is in stress and anxiety. Yeah. So yeah. you do need people to challenge you, but in a loving boot sort of way. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're yeah. challenging your assumptions so you can reach that peak performance point, but not tipping you over the edge into that kind of stress and anxiety yeah. method. Yeah. No, I, no, I agree. I mean, I think it, it is, a, it is that kind of, it is a balance, isn't it? Between, just somebody who's just constantly sort of saying, hey, Mike, you're great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to spend time Everything with people that tell you perfect. you're great all the time. <laughs> and then others who say, actually, Mike, you need to kind of think about this or that and the other. So, yeah, so I, I agree. I, there is definitely a definitely a sort of balance there. For sure. Cool. Well, we're, we're running a bit out of time at the moment, but I'm just right. keen. A couple of questions was, what? where do you see Topolitics going in the next sort of five years and beyond? Oh, wow. Uh, well, I think fulfilling our, our ambition to be this sort of global um, kind of um, d- data set and, and uh, you know, a- analytics platform for um, primarily commercial and industrial waste materials. Um, so that basically the outcomes are better for the waste producers and then better for the, if you like, the companies that are managing, processing, recycling that material. So less of that material is basically being wasted more of the value is being kind of extracted from that material, like the true value as, in terms of that material. Uh, and so we, you know, we've moved to a much more of a sort of circular model. I mean, our view is that we think, you know, if we're if we're successful, what what will happen will be that 
in the same way that energy has gone from a big centralized system to much more of a distributed system where you've got these smaller you know smaller kind of renewable energy sort of sources spread all over the place so that system is much more complex but actually it's better in terms of the outcomes um, but what helps to hold that together is the kind of smart grid you know that's why we we see that happening with you know certainly with commercial industrial waste materials where you'll get much more kind of localized loops you'll get much more sort of smaller volumes of materials which are being you know where the value is being extracted so so yeah so if if we're in that position then and we built frankly built a scaled enterprise um then i'll you know i'll be i'll be pretty happy about that brilliant and if anybody wants to get in touch with you uh following this uh, podcast what's the best way of doing that Oh man. Um, well, you know, you can email me at michael.groves at topolytics.com. Um, and, um, yeah, that's probably the best thing. So topolytics.com is the website. So uh, you can come in through that, um, or email me directly. Um, go to my LinkedIn page. You'll find me easily enough. Um, so yeah, any, any number of ways, but yeah, absolutely. I'd welcome any feedback, uh, any suggestions, any, you know, any thoughts, any offers, any asks, whatever whatever and do you have any sort of parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share or anything that you'd like to leave with damn i should have prepared a pithy quote didn't I? <laughs> uh, actually yeah I, I was when we were on this when we were on this ocean summit in the middle of the atlantic there was a guy from um brilliant brilliant guy speaker from uh nasa's ames research laboratory in um in uh, in california and uh and he put up a quote from um uh, from Muhammad Ali, which was, you know, impossible is temporary. And, um, you know, so, you know, and I, I think there are variants of that out there, but I just thought, yeah, that is absolutely fantastic. You know, impossible is temporary. So um, that's my pithy quote anyway. To what it's I worth. love it. What a great way to end this interview. Thank you so very, very much for coming no on and speaking to me today. And Pleasure. I hope everybody uh, listening has got, gained a lot from this interview as well. Okay. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, everyone. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Michael. Bye. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Bye. When you're working on exciting projects in tech or trying to change the world, it's hard to focus on marketing and it might not seem like a big priority for you right now. Talking about what you're working on and the driving force behind why you're doing it will help you raise your profile in your industry and keep your audience up to date and interested. My goal for this podcast is to share the amazing things that businesses and individuals are working on that will shape the world of tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform and share it with the others that you think would benefit. If you liked it loads, then feel free to leave me a review. All the show notes and any links mentioned in today's episode will be available on my website. That's charliewyman.com forward slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Ciao for now. Bye.